African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning and welcome right here to a new week of African Dialogue. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. I'm Benjamin Mushatama. I'll be with you until midday. Well, today we're looking at this international story of uh, Donald Trump's approach to international affairs. We're going to try see if we can capture the man himself and see how we can actually make uh, an understanding of sorts of uh, who Donald Trump is and what his approach is when it comes to uh, international politics, it's a very difficult one. Well, the latest is that United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres said this weekend that he's encouraged by North Korea's decision to suspend nuclear and missile, missile tests uh, and that it proves that diplom- diplomacy solves conflicts. Uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un said his country is no longer needed to conduct nuclear tests or intercontinental missile tests because it had completed its goal for developing the weapons, whatever that goal is. It was the first time Kim directly addressed his position to North Korea. We know that was so important in terms of after uh, the South Korean President Moon Jae-in and uh, U.S. President Donald Trump was speaking last week that they will be meeting with the North Korean leader. Uh, President Trump has also promised a forceful response to a suspected chemical attack in Syria. That's another issue as he's consulting with the United Nations and the actions expected to be coordinated with other Western nations. And also today we're going to speak about something we've spoken before, but it still continues to be an issue, uh, the uh, Donald Trump's approach when it comes to uh, trade war. Well, joining us is in our studio is Jamil Ahmad, who is uh, the global head of the currency strategy and market research at X. XTM, and also we've got uh, Professor John Stremlau, who is the lecturer at the International Relations Department at Wits University. We also have Matsidi Somutsuening, who is the researcher at the Afro Middle East Center. Let me start the conversation rather on the line with you, uh, Professor John Stremlau. I feel like I've exhausted my intro already as we started with all these various dynamics that we're talking about when we're speaking about. Donald Trump, from your perspective, how has his approach been in terms of his international relations, especially with these three mega spaces when we're speaking about Syria, when we're speaking about uh, North Korea, and also China is another dynamic that has been of concern in the last few uh, months, especially since the beginning of his uh, uh, presidency. Uh, well, Benjamin, uh, uh, thank you. You were you were kind to note how difficult it is to make sense out of what Donald Trump is up to in your intro, and uh, and that's worth keeping in mind because um, he isn't a leader unlike any other I have ever observed and studied, and that goes back to John Kennedy and mm-hmm. Richard Nixon, I think, in my old age. So that given that difficulty, uh, it always helps to say um, what is the difference between what he says and what he actually does. Now, a couple of things quickly. One, you can't trust anything he says. Uh, He's an inveterate liar, and that's a problem for any other government in Africa or any place else in the world trying to sort through these things and 
Secondly, um, he has taken action, but his actions are primarily domestic, where he does have authority, although that's being challenged in the courts and in the streets. And so you come down to these big issues that you raise, and I have to put it in the context that he has no coherent foreign policy, but quickly, if, he, if you take the North Korean uh, uh, nuclear issue, he wants to score a personal win here, it appears, and he's willing to take almost reckless action by just agreeing to go into the meeting very unprepared. And remember, every president for 70 years has been worrying about this, as have the Asian nations. And, you know, South Africa is a country that um, uh, eliminated its nuclear weapons, has a real issue, an interest in nonproliferation. What will come of this? Uh, we don't know. We can talk more about it. On Syria, he was very limited in his response, I think under pressure from Britain and France, who didn't prevail and make this a collective action, sort of. And they apparently talked about this at the G7 summit in Canada sure. last week. Yeah. And then finally on trade, you know, that's a huge issue, but it does relate to where he does take actions light of his business experience. He's very transactional. So you, you look for what he has actually done. It's very little in foreign affairs. He knows nothing, and, he, and he's not really um, willing to learn very much, it seems to me. Uh, and it's all about Donald Trump. Well, let's let's try to break it down, Matsidiso, and I know that you really work in uh, a different spectrum yourself, which is focusing on uh, the issue of what's happening in the Middle East, and Syria is another complication in, in that regard. And I know that uh, the position of... Uh, uh, the, Donald Trump has been very stern in terms of his approach uh, with Syria in itself. But let's look at that particular relationship between Syria and the United States. How fragile is it right now? Uh, we know that it seems like it's going to be a tit-for-tat approach. That's the way things are happening right now with the conversations between the two uh, parties. Um, thank you so much, Benjamin, for having me. I think that when you look at the U.S. role in Syria, um, that you generally see that um, there's no fragility. In fact, this is, I think, since the start of the Syrian conflict, um, you know, the most um, decisive that the U.S. has been throughout this time. I mean, remember before the um, before the conducting of the U.S.-led airstrikes on the three suspected weapons. Um, chemical weapons facilities. The U.S. was 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 looking at pulling out of Syria, and and since then you kind of see that they've sort of um, you know I would say solidified their feet in in the Syrian conflict up to this point. And we also know that because of all these events by the U.S., mainly by the U.S. and of course other other actors as well, the Syrian conflict has now even shifted from just being an internal civil war to actually be something bigger than that. I mean, people say, are we going to see the next Cold War? Um, and whether or not that's going to happen is highly dependent on what the U.S. Um, you know, foreign policy on, on Syria and the Middle East in general is. Well, let me bring in Jamil Ahmad because you're coming from a more economic side of things and it seems like also there has been a form of interruption via uh, the Donald Trump uh, uh, administration, especially when we speak about this term of uh, this trade war. What are we speaking about in that regard? I know that there has been that particular association linked with uh, China. Thank you very much for having me. Firstly, it's a pleasure for FX Tim to be on. Sure. So basically, as we've kind of highlighted at the beginning, 
There's a very unpredictable nature to politics in the modern world, um, sure. it's particularly with the U.S. White House and the unpredictable nature of Donald Trump. Mm. Under any given week, he could be talking about trade wars. He could be talking about international relations with China or North Korea. It could come into Russia. It mm. could come into sanctions. Even last week, he accused um, China and Russia of being currency manipulators. Sure. So it's certainly quite a busy market in that regard. What we basically see in the markets and from an economic market standpoint is a lot of erratic movements in the stock markets. We don't quite know whether stock investors are risk on, risk off. If there's uncertainty in the market, this means that investors are less attracted towards taking on risk, Mm. which is when the stock markets become very erratic and their movements, they could be higher or lower. Additionally, when there is more positive news, such as this morning, where it seems to be that this North Korea tensions have cooled down, we expect a more positive market sentiment, which can have positive uh, impact on the South African rand, as an example. The global market is very interconnected these days. If there's positive news, positive sentiment, increased risk, it can increase attraction towards uh, risky currencies such as the rand. When it comes to the trade war itself, we've always believed that it's more of a headline and it's less likely to actually occur in reality because what we see from President Trump in general, and this is both in terms of market and in terms of the international relations perspective, is quite an outspoken narrative and rhetoric, but the actual actions and the reality can be quite watered down. which is a bit conservative. Exactly, which is why the markets can be sometimes up, they can be sometimes down. We're not seeing so much severe volatility in the markets that would suggest that anybody really thinks a trade war could be upon us. All right, we'll, we'll try to break this down even further when we come back from our break. It's so complex in itself. And I think the three guests uh, did a good job in trying to outline very simplistically the various dynamics that we are seeing when it comes to Donald's approach with international affairs. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back and continue this discussion. Remember, you can give us your thoughts on our Twitter handle, at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. Give us your views. We want to hear from you on that platform. And you can also remember, stream us live. If you're listening to outside the continent on www.channelafrica.co.za If you're listening to that platform, thank you for joining us And remember we're also on DSTV on, in South Africa, neighboring countries On uh, channel 802 on the audio bouquet And uh, don't forget that in sub-Saharan Africa We're still on that shortwave service And uh, you can still join us there Let's take a quick break I think we all need to catch our breaths Because things are unpredictable right now And we'll come back after this <laughs> This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyan Zovu, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47. One seven double one. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial six zero five four seven one seven double one. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective.
Well, don't worry, because you're not the only one who's uh, really confused about Donald Trump. Seems even our guests on the show are always confused about which direction Donald Trump will take. And uh, I want to come back to really his approach with you, Professor John Stremlound, because now we're seeing this decision from North Korea to suspend nuclear and missile tests. And... uh, Someone could say, well, maybe this is because of the robustness and the upfrontness of Donald Trump that we find ourselves in that particular position where now we're seeing real pressure coming from the United States. What are your thoughts around what's happening there? Is this another political move that's been made by North Korea? Or do you think that this could be showing us signs of what could be happening if that meeting that is is scheduled for uh, May or early June takes place? Well, this is a hard one to forecast, and uh, not to add to your uncertainties, uh, I would certainly say that that the world should watch this with interest and concern because Donald Trump, as we've said earlier, is quite unpredictable, and the deal may or may not come through. They they're not even it's not even clear whether they're speaking on the same wavelength, Kim Jong Un and Donald Trump. Donald Trump wants a win, and Kim Jong Un is in a dead end on his economy, is in pathetic shape, and he's only got nuclear weapons to bargain with. So it's a very unnatural and really idiosyncratic situation. I'd just like, if I could for a second, to bring it back to African concerns more immediately after sure. hearing about uh, the, the Syrian conflict and the internationalization of local conflicts. And then when Jamil was talking about the short-term economic gyrations of the market, it reminds me that last week, uh, Eddie Maloka at the African Peer Review Mechanism Secretariat convened sure. a, a meeting of Africans from all over the continent to talk about um, governance and the state of governance report and that we no longer can be indifferent about the internal affairs of member states. So the, the real big issue for Africa, I think in some ways with regard to Donald Trump, is what is he doing domestically with regard to such things as deregulation and this terrible tax bill, which is cutting for the for the rich and, and, and not doing anything to the equity question. It's destabilizing sure. the U.S. economy, and that echoes through the U.S. economy. And then when he, in fact, behaves like African, an auto, African autocrat would, he's very uh, much in challenging the constitutional precepts of the country, and he's doing things that are um, autocratic in nature, even if he can't get away with it. How the U.S. political system handles this should be of interest and watched very carefully by Africans, because Africa is itself pioneering uh, uh, its role in, in watching the internal affairs of member states, not indifferent uh, to the internal affairs of, of member states. And this is a really, really big issue. So I, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that this discussion, while it gets caught up in the everyday gyrations of the market or the chemical sure. bombing, it nevertheless raises some very profound questions, Benjamin. And maybe mm. the other uh, panelists have something to say about the implications of their day-to-day business to these larger questions of how can you be indifferent about the internal affairs of sovereign states? Well, we'll come back to that question because I think it's it's a very good one. But before that, I'd like us, Matidiso, to also cement another area in Syria, especially with uh, the issue of the military strike against Syria that could be actually a, a threat over those uh, chemical weapons attacks that took place. Um, where do we see this going? We know that uh, we saw Macron and uh, Trump speaking about a collaborative uh, effort to deal with the Syrian situation. Where do you pit the situation uh, and how do you see things unfolding? 
Um, I think what we've seen with the new, you know, uh, Macron and, and the U.S. as well as the U.K. coordination in Syria has been essentially to um, try and quell, um, I mean, this is what they say also, to quell the use of, of chemical weapons in Syria, which, I mean, we know that a similar um, um, attack also took place last year. That was, um, and, you know, the U.S. also retaliated to that. What was different about this one, however, was the, the the different coordination with the U.S. and France. And what this means essentially with the Syrian conflict, I mean, we see that the Syrian regime itself has been cracking down a lot on, you know, rebel-held territories and it's quite gaining a whole lot of momentum. In fact, you know, since the, 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 the Russians ha- um, assisted um, the Syrian regime in the conflict, the regime has sort of gained an upper hand in the conflict. Sure. And now, you know, the U.S. and, and, and France has, you know, um, intervened um, coming into the Syrian conflict um, as well as other, you know, other foreign actors that are happening, such as Turkey and Israel. Um, it's, it's it, as I said, bringing a whole new spin. But it's also very interesting because um, this also happens right at the time when Donald Trump is also facing his own issues back mm-hmm. home, um, his own domestic issues. And, you know, this has been seen as, as sort of a way for him to sh- sort of shift attention away from the issues that he's facing back home. I mean, um, with the, the recent um, issue of Somi Daniel and, his, um, and the, and the, the sure. FBI case into yeah. his lawyer as well. Yeah. Well, what, what does that actually put us, especially with that particular aspect that was brought in by Professor Stramlau, what, what, are, what are your thoughts around some of that, that sentiment that he's making there, especially in just what you were highlighting earlier on yourself, Jamil, the fact that we live in a very tightly knitted economy and global space, not only even uh, politically anymore, even from a social dynamic, there's more links in today's life. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. And then I mean, we know that in the, the U.S. is sort of, you know, like the, the big police officer of the world. And, of course, it definitely wants their way from issues that are happening anywhere else. If they deem that the U.S. has to, conv- has to intervene, they definitely do that. I mean, other people have argued that the U.S. has been in Syria because of, you know, the gas issue, um, which I think has very little to do with that. I think right now the U.S.'s foreign policy towards the region has been really centered around Iran and curbing, you know, what they call the surge or the expansion of Iran into other countries in, 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 in the region. And, you know, the Syrian issue and now, you know, the more solidified position of, of the U.S. Um, in Syria is essentially to make sure that, you know, the... the the spread or the expansion of, of Iran is contained, precisely because we saw as Donald Trump first came in as president, he, you know, he's traveled his Middle East tour to countries such as Saudi Arabia, where he forged, you know, quite great relations and which continue now, um, you know, the U.S.'s role in trying to mitigate the GCC crisis. Mm. Um, you know, this has been a, a big thing for Donald Trump itself, himself to make sure that he, he can... Uh, um, delivers on some of the promises sure. that he made to his allies mm. um, in the region. Shamil, your thoughts? Well, it comes down to the unpredictable element of the world we live in right now and how interconnected the market is. Um, just to give an example, a simple tweet from Donald Trump could send the markets left or right, or up or down in this case. So if we look back at just over a week ago as we were talking about the um, Syria situation, when it 
appeared well when the news was read over the weekend that there were airstrikes investors were preparing for a very um pressured start to the trading week last week that that indices stocks a lot of risk appetite could be weakened as the markets opened uh, last monday morning and it was that uh, to some degree but then a simple tweet from donald trump mission accomplished <laughs> completely switches the market sentiment the complete other way because it appears now just on that tweet that maybe trump's involvement is done of course you do not know this is why the yeah. markets you have to pay particular attention and there's a lot of news you need to read now as an investor that's why risk um, risk management investor education is com- very important yeah. when it comes to donald trump himself and what he's doing as u.s president it's quite clear that he's putting america first and always any example that he can give to provide to his voters that he's doing this, whether it's on trade rhetoric, uh, narrative around um, international relations, anything that he can do to say that, look, I'm putting America first to get more votes, it's what he's trying to do. And uh, the way the market's perceiving this is that his actual approach towards trade, international relations, and his uh, international relations as a whole, it's actually going to be quite watered down in reality. And what are the consequences of that kind of action? Because some would say, as much as earlier on you were speaking about that this trade war issue is probably just something that's not really cemented in, in reality, but that could be a, 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 an aspect of what a trade war is, isn't it? Because you have this president who has this huge influential country and he's making all these uh, random statements that could actually uh, create a, a direction in policy, that could create a direction in financial flows. Isn't that where he has dominance over the so-called trade war? Because whatever he says is almost like favors the direction that he wants to take the narrative. Well, if you look at the basis of his social media feed only and his Twitter feed, it mm. certainly has the uh, potential to encourage turbulence in the financial markets. Mm. This was seen, seen on a very variety of different occasions. Now, if we look at what could actually happen in the case of a trade war, let's talk hypothetical. You've got the U.S. and China, two of the major economies in the world, and we've got global economic optimism in 2018 that actually hasn't been as high mm. as since before the great financial crisis, sure. global financial crisis, 2007. Sure. So if our two major economies that all of our economies are reliant on to some degree when it comes to trade, import, export, or foreign investment, if these two are going head-to-head, we would expect for a lot of global economic forecasts to be downgraded. Mm. We would see a lot more turbulence in the financial markets, so stock markets be under huge risk probably would see a lot of safe haven appetite towards Japanese yen and gold. So yes, it's certainly a busy time and there's a lot to continuously monitor in the markets. Well, I want to take one more break and then I'm going to come back and we're going to sum up the conversation. If you're joining us now, we've got Professor John Stramlau on the line there, lecturer at the International Relations Department at Wits University. We also have in our studio Jamil Ahmad, who is the Global Head of Currency Strategy and Market Research at XTM. And Matidi Sumtwining is also on the line, who's a researcher at the Afro-Middle East Center. A confusing man that we're speaking about today doesn't make the topic any easier. But it's great to see uh, this conversation happening to unpack really what's actually happening behind the scenes. And I appreciate, I guess, for simplifying the conversation and making sure that we understand the complexities of what's happening here. Let's take a quick one, 11.30 Central African time. We'll be back and sum up the conversation. Channel Africa has good news for you. We have extended our reach. If you have an iPad or iPhone, download the Channel Africa iOS app 
at itunes.apple.com. If you have a cell phone, then get our Android app at Google Store. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us for a new week of African Dialogue where we bring you experts, the best of in their fields, just to really look at some of the issues, digest the, the, the issues of the continent, digest the issues of the world. Sometimes we just move on quickly to the next topic. This is where we try to contextualize the issues and try to sum up them in some way that you and me can understand the normal person on the street. Today we're talking Donald Trump, his North Korean approach, Syrian approach, the issues of trade war that we've been highlighting. It's been a very interesting conversation we've had with our various guests. But coming back to you, Professor John Stramlau, this decision by Korea to suspend its nuclear missile test, the fact that, you know, maybe the leader of Korea, North Korea, is saying, well, I'm willing to talk and sit down. Is that not a breakthrough, not only for the United States, but for international relations as a whole? Well, I wouldn't exaggerate it, but at the same time, it's very important, Benjamin, and obviously we don't know until they actually sit down and we see the results. In a way, this is parallel to Jamil's um, dilemma over watching the markets gyrate from day to day, and then he gave a very good um, general discussion of of the fundamentals of the economy between China and the United States. And Mercedes did a a really good job of summarizing the overall situation in, in Syria, but let me just take a couple of quick reservations because uh, on, on both of those presentations sure. and then just sum up with a final word. Sure. Um, on, on, on the one hand, um, Mercedes did remind us that the U.S. has been a policeman. And if you're looking from an African perspective, what's going on in the Sahel, where they're building bases most recently now in, in Agadez and Niger, yes, they are playing a policeman's function. But Barack Obama really tried to signal that the U.S. could no longer be the kind of intervener that he was in Iraq or Afghanistan or Vietnam, for example, and was trying to go in a more collective direction. Donald Trump is coming back to, from, from that, walking that back in his peculiar personal style, which gives me the other reservation I have about uh, what Jamil said, which is that um, it's not America first, it's Donald Trump first. And that's a really big difference because who does he really speak for America? And that's a question I think all Africans have to ask themselves because he has taken a rather nationalistic but even more a tribalistic white um, nationalist approach to American domestic politics, which is very different from Obama. And how that plays out will have a profound influence on the world. And the elephants in the living room that we, we cannot ignore are two. One is the impact of his erratic behavior on the U.S. economy, which could be disruptive to the global economy And that is a fundamental concern that Jamil really summarized well. But the other question we didn't raise, which is the most biggest elephant, is that relationship with Russia, both his financial financial dealings 
and the question of, of uh, whether or not there was collusion in the election, and that has implications for elections all over the world, including in Africa, of, of the Internet and the information age. The really big story out there is the information revolution. So I just want to draw attention, uh, Benjamin, that there sure. are important uh, themes here that mm-hmm. we've signaled, and I'll, I'll, I'll pass on to my two colleagues to do the final sum up, sum up. Well, thank you so much, Professor John Stremlau, for your participation. What, what are your thoughts there, Jamil? Especially the question that makes things complicated. And, you know, you can hear Professor Stremlau very kind of reserved and conservative around that, what people are calling a breakthrough with North Korea. What are your thoughts around that particular aspect of things? Well, it just goes some different uh, distance, actually, towards uh, articulating the unpredictable nature of news flow now when it comes to political news, U.S. administration, Donald Trump himself. Mostly it's Donald Trump himself, of course. Look, North Korea and U.S., this news over the weekend that South Korea and North Korea have reportedly opened up um, phone lines. They're going to be meeting over the next upcoming future. It does go to some dis- some distance towards suggesting, and of course it's suggesting because nobody's actually in these meetings. Sure that relations are unproven. And if North Korea is willing to take down its nuclear weapons or pause its testing, nobody really knows. This would improve risk appetite. It would improve economic sentiment that international relations are unproven. So we have to wait and see. But when it comes to these U.S.-Russia uh, sanctions, I was in Moscow just last week. Sure. These sanctions on Russia and what it's doing is nothing new. Uh, Russia's actually dependent on its own internal resources. Yeah. What it's actually creating is economic fl- uh, market fluctuations. Sorry, When it comes to the currency, Russian rubles obviously weakened very significantly over just one week. This means there's going to be inflation pressures. And actually what it's doing is currency fluctuations mostly in the market. It's going to take a long time towards yeah. being able to articulate what impact this is going to have on the economy. Uh, l- let me come to you now, uh, Matsidiso, before we, we, we wrap it up. Let's wrap it up with you, in fact. Uh, where do you see things going? There's so many dynamics when it comes to Donald Trump, and you've been specifically looking at Syria in itself because that's where your focus is. What are your thoughts? Um, I think, Benjamin, to, to sort of try and answer what um, Professor Stemler's sure. you know, you know, question or what he put on the table. Yeah. Um, the issue of um, Donald Trump sort of, you know, differing from um, Barack Obama, I, I tend to disagree a little bit because, I mean, what we saw as um, Donald Trump's big campaign slogan was for the U.S. to get out of these what he called costly wars. So, and for I know he was trying to pull out of Syria. Very, yeah, like that he was it, yeah. trying to pull out. So that has been quite a big thing for him. I think circumstances sort of kept you know, have pulled him in. And we see this issue with what he had said, um, you know, even with the days, the days leading up to the airstrikes, where he said that, I mean, the U.S. is willing to stay in safe, except that if someone else is forking the bill for it. And he essentially was speaking to Saudi Arabia about this, and we've seen subsequent to that Saudi Arabia saying that they're willing to support the U.S. financially for them to stay in Syria. I think also, again, as I mentioned earlier, that Trump essentially, you know, uses this this issue of abroad um, to try and and, and sort of mitigate domestic um, struggles and and, and the things that are like kind of, you know, getting in his way of advancing his his campaign locally. Um, And and this has been quite evident with his, you know, um, very confused policy of whether or not he's staying, whether or not he's pulling out. Um, what what is what is the U.S.'s role, even in Africa, as Professor Stremler has said. Sure. Um, in terms of the relations with Russia, um, you know, it, you know, 
as the airstrikes went in in Syria after the you know the chemical weapons attacks, um, you know Nikki Haley, for example, the UN envoy um, for the US um, in in Nikki Haley then said that you know like the US is going to throw all these sanctions against Russia. But then Trump came back and said, no, that's not what we're doing. Again, as 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 you know, the two colleagues have mentioned, there's quite a very complicated relationship that he has personally with Russia, but also the, the, the relationship that the U.S. has with Russia and what that means going forward, especially in the Syrian context, um, because a lot of this had been seen as though, you know, there's going to be a confrontation sure, between sure. the U.S. and Russia, yeah, and that's yeah. why people are calling it a Cold War issue and whatever. I think beyond this, this is actually seeing for us, we're going to see um, the Syrian case as being a platform for the U.S., Russia, as well as other as mm. other players, to sort of flex their muscles and show the world how they all trying to, you know, raise in this race for power, especially in the region, because the Middle East and and of course the African continent has been a big platform for U.S. to sort of show the world how you know how capable or how you know um, how they able to play this role of sure. police officer of the world quite you know exceptionally and i don't think donald trump is about to stay away from mm. that image of the u.s um uh, you know just as yet i think he's probably going to win elections and then perhaps there'll be a big configuration after you know the next elections well thank you so much for you all giving us your time there that's how we're going to wrap up the conversation thank you to professor john stramlau lecturer at the international relations department at wits university thank you for probing uh, professor john stramlau and asking new nuanced questions in the conversation thank you as well to jamil ahmad who is the global head of currency strategy and market research at fxtm thank you for coming to our studios we appreciate your analysis should get you back in here once again to speak to you on other issues i've already got ideas in the back of my head on what we can speak about but also we've got matidi somtwining second time having you on the program it's been a pleasure speaking to you she's a researcher at the afro middle east center uh joining us there takes us to 11 41 central african time well is your head spinning mine is a little bit so let's listen to a little bit of some music definitely uh, donald trump can make your head spin but let's listen to some african music you're so and this one is titled Piriman.
Y amor, y bien.